0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it. A podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Hi, Ben. You today, Adam. (laughs) I'm doing great. Obviously, my level's like up here, and you're like, "Hey, (laughs) how are you?" I'm in a good mood. (laughs) I can, I can can ramp it up a little bit. You want me to dial up the energy? Yeah, we (laughs) We joked earlier. Maybe maybe for next April Fools, we'll have a podcast here where we're just like really angry at each other and we disagree the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's see if we can remember that for ten months from now, Devin note it. (laughs) So today, a little bit different of a topic, maybe not different for us, but uh, less technical, right, going into the more psychological side of kind of what we do, and and the the human side, Uh, the CFP board recently uh, added another discipline to those CFPs, either looking to get the designation or for us for continuing education right? It's yep. insurance, investments, estate planning, taxes. That was kind of the traditional model. And now they've added one that is the psychology of investing, right? Behavioral finance. So we're yes. going to spend a little bit of time talking about that and, and kind of how we uh, use that in practice. Yeah. And I, I hope we are not in the minority there. <laughs> um, this is something that I've become a whole lot more passionate about and think our industry needs to actually embrace. Because I yeah. think- we certainly take an approach that is not just, you know, I don't want to pick on other advisors that do things a certain way, but that have a sole focus on investments. Um, When we we talk to clients about goal orientation and getting from A to B and like being true partners, it's recognizing that traditional finance needs to be paired with behavioral finance, right? So I guess I should just take a short step back. Traditional (laughs) finance really is just kind of based on fundamental things that people have clear and consistent preferences on things that they have like the information they need to make a decision and that they would like make a decision that clearly tries to maximize their wealth but that's not the way it goes right we are (laughs) yeah we are human we are emotional beings right think the emotional intelligence we have to have with our decision making sometimes Mm -hmm. we have our own perspectives and experiences and sadly in this industry, people have probably preyed on that. Like they frame, yeah. oh, frame yeah. certain things a certain way to sell something, right? That's, that's what sales is. I want you to think about it this way, listen to me talk about it this way and then you'll want to buy it. So yeah. the major difference now needs to be how do we help people kind of recognize the behavioral side of things? And how do we, I think, get other advisors to really embrace that too, to make sure that we can help people through the emotional side of money and wealth, which again, the studies are called behavioral finance. So the major difference, the point of behavioral finance is to recognize how people should act is different than how they actually act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, we, we've certainly seen this. Um, and I know we've said it before, right? We, we can write the, uh, I'll use quotations, like the perfect financial plan, right? You take all these steps. It's going to improve what you're doing. It's going to be great. And ultimately, if action isn't taken, then the best advice is still meaningless in the end, right? So we we acknowledged years and years and years ago that reality plays a big part in our financial planning process to help people actually implement change and that's not always easy and and we we know that for sure even on the personal side right making making changes uh right (laughs) not just financially but right personally um is not always you know it's, it's hard to just flip that switch so to me it is about communication and that's that's where you take kind of the book smarts of what needs to happen to then turning that into here's an individual that needs to not only be able to comprehend it again, that's not the hard thing either. Like we can be educators. Mm -hmm. Are they comfortable with it? Are they motivated by it? And do they have, or have they also had experiences that what we're suggesting isn't something that they want to move forward with because of some sort of other hurdle, whether it's an experience that they've had, Mm -hmm. a bias that they have, um, how they view the world really can also dictate Mm -hmm. how they want to go about making these decisions. So That's why the discipline is so important that we have to get out of our own seat of going, here's what I know you should be doing and be able to communicate in a way that goes, let me help you through this process. And not, I I don't, I wanna be clear about this, not to say you have to do things our way, Mm -hmm. not to be sold something, but that you don't end up going down a path where you're gonna regret the decision you made because you weren't seeing things or you weren't grabbing all the information or you weren't comprehending, um, other things that are gonna help you get from A to B? Yeah, we, we've often had that conversation, right? Where we, we kind of steer the, the direction of, of, you know, someone's financial life in, in whatever capacity um, to where we think it's, it's gonna be better for them. But if there is kind of that hurdle that they just can't get over for whatever reason, right? Whatever that bias is, whatever the, the previous experience was, it's still on us to provide the context give the perspective, right, in our experience and in our expertise um, to at least identify the potential trade-offs and the, you know, just, sometimes it's okay if the end result is no action, but going through that work to get to that point is still valuable. Right, have you considered this? How would you feel if this happened? If we go down this path, here are some dominoes that we recognize may happen, right? I'm, I'm going to get a little nerdy here. Um, our minds are trained. Like 90% of our decisions are completely intuitive. They're completely reactive. They're very quick. They're not yeah. based on quickly going through some sort of reasoning, right? So, and, and oftentimes for us, when, when, we, when our mind moves that quickly to here's what I want to do, it's a lot harder to then <laughs> slow it down and say, analytically, working through the abstract, like how, how do I need to then go through that? That's yeah. why it's our job to help people kind of slow down. And I think this happens a lot with investments, right? I'm seeing losses in the market. So now I need to react to that, right? right. What, are we do- what are we doing, then? What are we doing, Adam? And <laughs> I think it's okay for us to communicate. It's okay. We got this. We've been through this before. We're paid professionals. We're experienced. That's not helping them though. necessarily. <laughs> it, may, it may be yeah. helping them not jump off a ledge, but- right is it really helping them cognitively reason why they shouldn't be making these moves or why they need to stick to their plan, getting them focused back on here's the main thing that matters to me um, and making them feel emotionally okay. We're not helping them do that by saying, we got it, just don't worry. They're going to worry. Yeah. And and in my head, it's, it's, It's just the the problem with being human, right? It's it's eons of evolution and adaptation for survival. And now here we are, you know, with a couple hundred years of this structure of our society and, you know, money, finances, life is now only a, a small window of time, but our brains are still, for the most part, and and this that stat shocked me right 90% of our decision making is just kind of like that a snap yeah. your fingers and it's it's done so yeah being able to take that pause take that step back and evaluate a little bit deeper is uh, t- again that just it shocked me that it was that that overweighted to just that's that's the way that our our brains interpret and make decisions in an, in an instant and, and I think that's how, that's why biases develop. And I think the yeah. b- bias probably has a negative connotation. At sure. least we talk about it conversationally of well, you're biased, it has a negative connotation. Yeah. It's, it really is, you've had experiences with things and that's now how you're framed to believe that things will happen in the future, right? right. And there's, there's not necessarily something wrong with that but like we see this a lot, I think we see it a lot right now with politics, right? Yeah. Con- confirmation bias people seek out information that supports the argument that they want to make or the preconceived notion that they have and so, ignore other relevant information right so why are yeah. we so quick to make a decision on this it's because we've been framed that this is the way that we think and feel about certain things and mm-hmm. we're just not recognizing other relevant data um, yeah so i'll i'll throw this out I, I don't remember exactly when it came out but I, i'm pretty sure it was j p morgan that had Um, They do a booklet every quarter um, with a bunch of different, you know, graphs and charts. And and the one that they had was specifically around politics. And when there was a Democratic uh, presidency, you know, Republicans were less apt to invest during those times and vice versa. When there was a Republican president, Democrats were less likely to invest. But at the end of the day, we've had this conversation before, right? We did two podcasts on the election the markets are going to do what they are going to do. There's going to be some outside influence, right? There's so many variables that go into it, but that shouldn't be the sole driving force behind huge decisions that are going to impact your financial life. Yeah, it's just one of those things that if people have, this is my belief on the way that the world is, they're framed a certain way, and decisions probably are going to fall within that tunnel, whether it's a good decision or not, right? Going back, traditional finance you just told us history shows us that we should be making a decision that's going to maximize our wealth based on reason yeah. and all this fact and data <laughs> how many, we know we we work with people that can get in their own way and say, "Well, the election's coming i gotta I just want to see what happens let's just see how things go yeah. and here we are the the market's going to do what the market does so that's one, one example of a bias that may get somebody tied into a twisted knot that they shouldn't be in. And yeah. we have to help and, them with that. Yeah, and I, you know, just thinking for myself, right? no, one, no one likes to be told that they're not, that they're thinking of something in the wrong way, right? So that's its own kind of hurdle to get over. You know, if, if you told me, hey, you're not thinking about X, Y, and Z, you know, you're thinking of this the wrong way, like that, that can hurt on a personal level right? That, oh my God, I'm, it, either, either I'm going to push back at you, right? What's, what's that called? Uh, is that the confirmation bias where I'm just going to dig my heels in further on my side of things? Probably. So it's, yeah. I mean, it, it's communication, it's communication skills. And certainly I'm not an expert in that, but, you know, it is to say, okay, but how would we feel if this happened? Are these still your goals? are your actions aligning to what is leading you down the best path towards goals? Um, So oftentimes it's just trying to get to the root, right? It is not, it is not to deal with people who are incorrigible and say, well, then (laughs) we just can't work together. Um, Sometimes our planning work then needs to be, we, we recognize that this is not something that's going to change in this person. So Mm we need to build, we need to build in other buffers to the plan acknowledging that, they may exude behaviors or make decisions that could make things more difficult to get them to where they want to get to so right build that in yeah yeah that's that and that's that's a great point and and where we hope we're different than some advisors out there that would be more rigid in their you know structure of advice that yeah we we do take that into account yeah you mean the the whole well if you don't think like i think then you're fired. You're out of here. Yeah, yep. I think that the, di- the discipline is to help people recognize things. And then if you can reframe certain conversations, it's, it's to recognize that people innately are gonna think a certain way based on those experiences. We all do it. It's, it's how we stereotype oh, yeah. too. You know, the, the profession calls that representativeness, but you know, you and I wear glasses, so we must be nerdy, right? That's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the way it goes. You, you know, ba- basketball playoffs right now, you know, you've got the, um, the interviewer, the sideline reporter standing next to this seven foot guy and you go, well, that reporter must be really short. No, yeah. that guy's just really, really tall. Like, yeah, but our, our, yeah. Our, our, our minds are framed that way. You know, it's representing, you know, one thing that we've experienced or that we see and it's yep. not framed in, the, in a way that is factual. Yeah, it exactly. It happens all the time. Yeah, I'm laughing because I just had this conversation with Ava. We were watching the, the game one of the, the Hawks and the Sixers. And Trey Young, who is six foot one on the Atlanta Hawks, looks like the tiniest guy on the floor. And he is by far, <laughs> but he's still taller than I am. Like, he's six one. Yeah. 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 And it you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of these biases. We see it. We probably see it the most with investments. Right. Sure. We see it. Yes. We just we just put out a podcast on this. The market's at all-time highs. Should I invest? Yeah. You, know, you probably have this gut that it can't continue to go high, so I want to bet on it going the other way, mm-hmm. right? Or the fear of missing out. It's going up, so I want to ride that up, right? right. These these are biases yeah. that we create in our mind. Um, that again, we can we have seen can lead people down a, a bad path. Yeah, and and on that front, we we talk. I feel like we've talked about before, right? Risk to us is in in some ways quantifiable when it comes to investments right it's it's not flip a coin you know heads i win tails i, I lose everything it's there there are it's a sliding scale right there if, if you're willing to take risk with the stock market you're going to have ups you're going to have downs Um, Theoretically, the market has never gone to zero, at least during our lifetime, and and hopefully it it doesn't. But that's the mechanism behind the scenes. It's it's, it's not a binary choice. Yeah, so the other, this is a really good discipline within behavioral finance, too. There's a big difference between risk, quantifiable, and uncertainty. And oftentimes, we find our clients don't understand that difference. They they hear us talking about risk as if there's a complete unknown on how things will go. When really investments are about risk, uncertainty is more. I'm getting in the car, right? Um, UPS driver has a liquid lunch, right? There, yeah. there is a the uncertainty of an event in the future. We can try to insure against that, but it's that's very different from the risk of the stock market going up and down. That is quantifiable. Right. That's fair. So yeah another key example of needing to help people kind of understand where their fears are coming from and walk them through that. And there's no better way to do that than to, again, just have a little bit of education around how we as humans think emotionally. Um, And we've all gone through it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's the, the difference between the risk and the uncertainty I feel, and I I certainly am guilty of this, but thinking from an investor standpoint, right. And in thinking of risk as kind of, a, a, an on-off switch, right? We often think in worst-case scenarios, so maybe that's more of the the uncertainty side of things. You know, to your point of, you know, the driving home today, the UPS driver has a liquid lunch, and we again we we steer towards the worst-case scenario. What is the worst possible thing that could happen, and then that's kind of the benchmark to either do something or not do something when there are many gradients in between you know, he could hit your bumper and you, you got a scratch. So that is a great example because I think we see this as planners a lot. You run into people that say, my, my neighbor retired and, you know, six weeks later passed away. So right. I, have, hmm. I have to take social security right away because, you know, this happened to yeah. him. I don't want it to happen to me. Right. That could be one, one person prematurely, God forbid, passed away. You're, yeah. you're now taking one example. And because that was your experience, changing the way that you should not be making a a major financial decision based on that one example. So yeah, Yeah. we do, we do it all the time when it comes to uncertainty, risk, and life experiences. We, we, we think to the extremes, Mm -hmm. which if you know, the standard deviation curve, like 95% of the time is all the way in here, not including those extremes. Yeah. They're outliers for a reason. So we have to recognize that and then be able to talk to people about that. Yeah, fair. So I could go on all day. Um, <laughs> I do get pretty passionate about this topic because I think, I think it is really important to recognize that, yes, life is not a straight line. People lose jobs. People pass away. Relationships change. It is a, a field. Financial planning is a field where we recognize that life is going to go through twists and turns and plans mm-hmm. need to be able to adapt to that. Yeah. But a, to, going back to your point, Adapting the plan and being able to communicate in a way that says, here's what we can do to help you. Here's the information we think you need. And here's the frame of mind. That's going to be most helpful to you in digesting this, that, I mean, it's becoming the more important part of the job, I think. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about this, I believe in other podcasts too, the having a plan like check that box number one, right? To your point of it's it's much easier to adapt an existing plan than to just create a brand new one in a time of either emotional stress, financial stress, whatever the case may be, right? It's much easier to make an adjustment than it is to make a, a whole brand new decision. So that as kind of key number one, if you don't have a plan, obviously we're strong proponents that you should. Um, and that that will hopefully allow in times of stress, in times where emotions are running high to be able to revert back to something that you did at hopefully a less stressful time with clear and clean emotions, be able to, yep. to have that to rely on. Yeah, cause it's gonna, this is gonna sound crude, but to a certain extent, just like the way of, of the world right now, robots are gonna be able to do our job. <laughs> yeah. Right? The actual drafting of the plan. Here's a portfolio. Right. Here, right, math, traditional finance, If all we have mm-hmm. all known information, then here's what we should do to maximize wealth. Yeah. What is our job? It's the human element side of that. You've got the plan, but now we've got to be able to communicate it. We've got to be able to work through it. We've got to be able to stick to it in times of stress. That's right. And I hope I have way more emotional intelligence than a Roomba. <laughs> Rosie, <laughs> inside joke, okay thank you for this. I think it is a great topic. It's not to say that, you know, we're experts in this field. We certainly are not. Um, but we're trying to get way better at being able to communicate on the emotional behavioral finance side of things. We think it's a discipline that's really important. So to all yep. our fellow advisor listeners out there, um, <laughs> consider it. Yep, this won't be the last time you hear of it. That's right. All right. All right. Hopefully, uh, my energy level did match. yours at the beginning there, so I think you exceeded it. (laughs) Great job. Hey, the truth is easy. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Take Take care now. Hey, everyone. Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in.